why does Hoh try to make the ex happy? And that's why, because he knows that she's the evil from under that is going to destroy his life. <laughs> well, that, and he's worried that she's going to keep the kids from him. Exactly. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Welcome to episode 224 of the Nacho Kids Podcast. What's up, y'all? What's up? You've made it another week. Celebrate. Yep. <laughs> and don't forget, if you feel like you want to crawl in a hole and disappear, you should join the Nacho Kids Academy. Mm-hmm. Where we can help you not feel that way. That's true. Go to nachokidsacademy.com to learn more. Or better yet, don't even think about it. Just join and get started. Because guess what? If you get in there and you're like, this ain't for me, we'll even give you your money back within the first 30 days if you don't like it. There is zero risk. All you got to do is ask. Yep. Yep. So... As David would say, it's the no excuses program. Mm-hmm. You have no excuse to not join the Nacho Kids Academy and get the help that you and your blend deserve. That's right. All right. Our guest today is a California stepmom, one bio kid, two stepkids. She's from a blend, and her husband was a stepkid too. Mm, okay. Well, they should all have known what they were getting into. <laughs> David. <laughs> if she's listening to this, she probably just cut it off. <laughs> of course, she thought that her blend with her husband would be like the blend that she grew up in. Right. No. Why is that, Lori? Because it's different peoples. <laughs> yep. The dynamics are different. As I like to say, the difference is in the details. Yes, and we've had many a guest who will say, the first blend I was in was great. This one, not so much. Yeah. See, I did it backwards. The first blend I was in was awful. David, you were not in a blended family. I am now. You are now. Right, and it was awful. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so you're counting being married to me as being in two different blends? Yeah. Pre-nacho had- blend and post-nacho yeah. blend? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Because I had the great reset. Okay. There you go. <gasps> Learn to nacho. It's the great reset. There you go. There you go, Write folks. Look at there. <laughs> Sometimes David does say good stuff. I know. Mm-hmm. Yep. There's the pre see like everybody around here. There's the pre nacho version of everything. There's the pre nacho version of Lori, the pre nacho version of David, <laughs> the pre nacho version of our relationship, how we handle things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was. I mean, you know, if you can split time into B, C, and A, D, then we can split our marriage into into B, N, and A, N. <laughs> Before nacho and after nacho. <laughs> That's right. Yep. And boy, what a difference those two things are. Yep. Night and day. That's right. She talks about how her husband felt like he was in the middle of her and the ex. 
Did you ever feel that way, David? Uh, that you were between me and the ex? No. That you felt you were in the middle with me and your ex. Um, the answer is yes. Really? Yeah, because I would say, you need to email her back and say, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, I mean, in that regard, but I didn't feel like you two were carrying on and I had to be in the middle of it kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, you had your opinion about how I should handle all that stuff. Yeah. She talks about how she came in a super stepmom. Mm-hmm. We should just tell people, you should come in as a loser stepmom. Now, listen, people, this is a very important announcement. She pushed her husband to get more time with his kids, and she regrets it. I know some of you are going, same here, girl, same here. I will give you a bit of advice. If your partner is not fighting for more time with their kids, don't push them to do so. There's a reason for it. Yes. You know, we had one lady that we interviewed a long time ago that she talked her husband into or pushed her husband to get more time with the kids. But the kids would come, and guess who had to take care of them? Her. Mm-hmm. And the question is, why did you think he would want to spend more time with them when he didn't spend the time he already had with them? And a lot of times yeah. it's because the step parent just doesn't want by a mom to have the kids more, whether it's child support reasons, whether it's petty reasons, vindictive reasons. Mm-hmm. It's not what you can get is what you can take away from them. Right. So be very, very careful. Mm-hmm. Surprisingly, food was an issue. That is not surprising. Her husband told her, I will never make my kids eat something they don't want. <laughs> Okay, then you can cook. That's what happened. (laughs) She even stopped grocery shopping, folks. Mm. (laughs) Something funny about this. You ready? You ready for the funny in this story? Sure. Oh, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. You got to listen. It has something to do with them moving. That's all I got to (laughs) say. Okay, then. All right, well, then let's get to listening because now my interest is peaked. Today, we have California Stepmom. Hey, California Stepmom, how are you? I'm good, Lori. How are you? Doing well. So tell us a little bit about your blend. So uh, my husband and I met December of 2017. So we've been together a bit over five years. And we got married in July 2020. So by the time this airs, we'll be married for three years. I have a bio daughter that is 15. And my husband has a son that's 16 and a daughter that is 14. Okay. And how often do you have the stepkids? We are 50-50 week on, week off. And I have my daughter basically all the time, um, except for every other weekend. So every other weekend, she goes to her dad's. And then on school breaks, it's week every other week. So 50-50 on school breaks. Okay. All right. And... Are you from a blended family yourself, or are your parents still together? I am. I am from a blended family. I've had a stepfather and a stepmother, and my mom was a stepmom. So 
to really understand, you know, how I came into becoming a stepmom and what I thought I should do or my role models were the, were that all three of them parented. All three of them, you know, came in and did the parenting duties. That's what we thought, you know, we were supposed to do. Right. And then my husband, yeah, my husband was a a stepchild too and his stepfather parented him as well. So when we came into this relationship, that's kind of what we were expecting it to be like. Right. Now, how long were y'all dating before you met the stepkids? It was a good seven months. We wanted to make sure that our relationship was going to be solid. I personally didn't want my daughter to meet different men coming in and out of my life, you know, dating and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So we had agreed on that. We didn't want, he was, and my, my husband felt the same way. He did not want his children to have people coming into their lives where they would get attached to them and then have them, you know, coming in and out. So unfortunately, my husband accidentally met my daughter one day uh, before we had planned. It wasn't much for, it was about six months. It wasn't a little bit earlier than I met his kids, but we ended up meeting, I ended up meeting his kids at about seven months. Yeah. Okay. And what's your relationship like with your ex? Did y'all get along? Were y'all good co-parenting partners or what? That's a great question because it it really kind of influenced how I felt like my co, you know, going into my relationship with my husband, I, I thought that we could be one big happy family and we could all get along because I got along with my ex-husband. Mm-hmm. So when, when I met my ex-husband, you know, I was 21 years old, got married, had our daughter. And by the time I'm in, you know, my thirties, I'm, you just, I, we just kind of fell out of love. We were more like roommates. It was a really hard decision because I, I didn't want my mo- my daughter to grow up in a, a broken home, you know, even though that's kind of how I grew up. But, and that was the thing too, is, is not having my parents together. I didn't want that for my daughter, but we really, I was just unhappy in our relationship, mm-hmm. but we got along fine. So when we divorced, I did everything in my power to try to make that separation as easy as possible on her. And we didn't have any animosity between us because there wasn't any like infidelity, you know, it was just truly, we just grown apart. So the plan was we were going to sell our marital home and with the equity, we were going to split the money and each buy a place separately and try to live as close together as possible. We didn't want to change school districts. We wanted to make sure she went to the same schools so I never did ask the realtor, but she probably thought we were insane. We actually used the same realtor to go house hunting together <laughs> while we were going through our divorce. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're still talking about you somewhere. She was probably scratching her head like, I've never seen this before. And sure enough, and we did, we looked at a bunch of different houses and like townhomes and and whatnot. And eventually... He ended up finding something that he really liked and it was really challenging market. There was a lot of competition. And so I was not able to, like I had a hard time. So I ended up staying in the marital home, refinancing, and then giving him the chunk of money to buy his house. So it was about a mile away, um, just a few minute drive between the two homes. And that first week when he moved in, I, I helped unpack boxes. Actually, I helped put down the contact paper in his kitchen. I, you know, I div- divided up the Christmas ornaments to make sure he had half. So, you know, it was very equal. And that first week, I actually stayed at his his place with 
with my daughter. I slept in her room to help with that transition for her. So she would feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. And now looking back, like for us, it was all about what was good for her. And I'm sure everyone else probably thinks we're crazy. (laughs) Yeah. So you stayed at your ex's house when he moved in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a little strange. I know. So, and it was always like really casual schedule. We didn't have a custody agreement. Just usually she would be with him on my work days and I work three days a week. And then the days I was off, I would have her. And typically if I got off work, I'd go pick her up. And a lot of times she would be like, Hey mom, can I stay at dad's tonight? And sure. No problem. As long as it was fine with him. And it always was. And then what I would do is I would go there in the morning to pick her up for school. He would already be gone for work. So I had a key to his house. You know, I could go in, make sure she's getting breakfast, help her get ready. And vice versa, he had a key to my house. So it was very like, just fluid. We were very friendly and just casual about it. And now I'm in all these like Facebook stepmom groups. And I I, I laugh because I'm sure a lot of stepmoms would call me like the the high conflict bio mom, you know, it's (laughs) like I'm just waltzing through his house. But, but he was okay with it. Right. And here's the thing though, right. Is if a stepmom came into the picture, they would be like, why are you letting her be so free with the schedule? Why don't you have this and that? And this isn't set. And you know, there's no drop off times and pickup times, but that was just how it worked for us. Mm -hmm. So who met their next partner sooner, you or your ex? I did. I did. So I met when I met my, my current husband, he was, and actually I really wanted my ex-husband to get into a relationship. I was, you know, there's a lot of guilt there and I really wanted him to move on. I wanted him to be happy. So, and it was, it was great because when I met my current husband, he saw how well we got along. In fact, they became friends. And I remember one day when my husband said, Oh, I'm going to hop over to ex's house. I'm going to help him set up this cable box. And I just thought that was great because my daughter got to see that. And we had a lot of gatherings together. Whenever she had like a piano recital, we were, we would all go out to lunch, you know, with my family, my ex's family, my new husband, Christmases. And I still, cause he didn't have a lot of family around. So mm-hmm. I'd invite him over for the holidays. I even have a Christmas card that has a picture with my ex-husband and my husband on it. <laughs> So it was kind of those like fantasy ideal, like kind of co-parenting things. But, you know, that all kind of changed when he found he got into a relationship. So unfortunately, it's not that way anymore. But at the time, things were were really good. So I went into my current, you know, relationship thinking that I could get along with his ex, just like he got along with my ex. But I was completely wrong. So you had a Christmas card. With your new husband and your ex on it, I did. I did. Yeah, <laughs> we we had a big. We usually for Christmas we do like one big family picture, and we were all in it. So I did a Christmas card, and yeah, so we all got got along great. So when I went, you know, was going to meet my current husband's ex wife, I thought, well, surely we can get along. You know, there's no reason. I, I mean, you know, I I thought, well, we're I'm going to be part of her kids' lives. You know, she's his ex, I have nothing against her. Like, let's just, we're here for the kids, you know? And, Mm -hmm. but she just had, she didn't have the same idea. And even one time, I guess my husband said to her, 
or she actually said to him, she's like, well, we're never going to be like her, you know, their co-parenting because he would always tell her like how well we got along. Mm-hmm. So I just, it, it's interesting. I don't know it, wh- what it is. I think even with my ex's current girlfriend or his girlfriend, I think they're engaged. If there's just, you know, a jealousy behind there, there's just like, I think a lot of times you have said in your, your podcast, like, well, if you guys got along so well, why aren't you still married? Right. You know? <laughs> so I think a lot of women feel that way. They feel threatened by that relationship. And to be honest, like I'm not attracted to him at all. Like it, really I'm not, it was all just friendship really. And mainly to make it life easier on my, our daughter, you know, mm-hmm. but sh- I think it, that's really what it comes down to is that there's just, you're, I don't know if I want to call it jealousy, but really there's just that, that you don't. Insecurity. Yeah. 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 yeah maybe that's what it is. So. Well, how long had you been separated when you met your new husband? It'd been a couple of years. So we had been separated for a couple of years. So it took a lot while for him to actually get into a relationship because I had kind of dated off and on. Um, and um, he didn't end up getting serious with his girlfriend until about two, th- a year or two after that. So it was about 2020. So it was about when my husband and I were getting married and then they got more serious. So it took him longer to get into that relationship, but I think they had been friends before that because she was still married when they met, actually. Oh, Um, okay. Yeah. So then they didn't want to start up a relationship until she was fully divorced and all that. But I remember him, he kept denying that they, you know, things were more serious than they were, but I was like, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to lie to me. Yeah. I'm actually happy for you, you know, but unfortunately I wish she would have just been a better person because she has done a lot of things to, you know, I, I feel like I wish she would have seen the positivity in our relationship and, and not have ta- had her insecurities, you know, kind of break that up because now there's a lot more tension between us and, and it's unfortunate, but you know, yeah. it is what it is. So, well, what about your new husband? How long had he been separated when y'all met? Well, that's another story because he told me when we first met and we met online I was very hesitant to do online dating, but as you know, nowadays, that's pretty much like the number one way people meet, you know, especially yeah. when you're here, you've got kids, you don't have time to go hang out at the bar and meet people. <laughs> so I actually had a couple coworkers that made an account for me on, oh, you know, a dating like account. I know. And they even had to pick out the pictures because I was like, well, I don't want to have anything that's too revealing. And they're like, well, you have to put this on there and you have to put the, that, you know, and and so that was kind of funny. I was so scared. I thought somebody was going to murder me and bury me in my backyard. Yeah. But once I got the hang of it, you know, I was like, okay, this is a, actually a nice way to meet people because you can kind of narrow them down. Like I, I really wanted, I did date a guy that didn't have children, but I, I think I wanted somebody that had kids. So I felt like they would understand kind of where I'm coming from as a parent. Yes. Yeah. So we met and uh, after we got to know each other a little bit, you know, he told me that he'd only been separated for a few months. And that was a big red flag for me. Cause I mm-hmm. know that when you're first coming out of a relationship, especially a long, you know, a marriage, it's like you need time to heal and recover and, and just learn how to be your, you know, single again. And I don't want to be a rebound. And he was like, Oh no, no, you know, don't worry. He's all, this marriage has actually been over for a long time, which we all say, you know, Oh, that should have yeah. been over, but he really was over. He, 
apparently had a few years earlier caught her cheating on him. And of course, as we all would be, he was, he was upset. He kicked her out of the house. She had to go get an apartment. They went through uh, the whole divorce. They got divorced. He did some dating, but apparently she didn't date according to him or at least what she admitted to. And she just claimed that she was sorry. It was the biggest mistake of her life. And all she does is, sit around and think about how she destroyed her marriage and just begged for forgiveness. And for him, you know, he really wanted his family to be together. And for the kids, he did get back together with her and they went through counseling. I don't know if the counseling was before the divorce or after the divorce, but they did do some counseling and eventually they got back together. She moved back into the house and they got remarried. So... Eight months later, he caught her cheating again. Surprise! And that I know, yeah. And and it, that by that time he was he was just done with it. You know, he had mentally he he really was staying with her, you know, for the kids and that idea of having that happy family. But he had already been so abused by her and broken that he had already checked out. So this time he decided he just wanted to be happy. So he walked away from the house. He let her keep the house. So the kids wouldn't have to, you know, they wouldn't have to sell it and they wouldn't have to get an apartment and most likely have to like share a bedroom. Mm -hmm. And um, he went and rented a room from a friend uh, while he was paying her child support so she could stay in the house. And the interesting thing, which I don't understand is how he just wanted to be happy. He was wanted to move on with his life, but her intention was to make him miserable. And I just don't get that. I'm like, she's the one that went outside the marriage and she's done everything in her power to try to make his life miserable. Right. And he didn't do anything, you know? Yeah. We see that a lot. And I wonder if it's because these, People that cheated regret cheating and realize they made a mistake, or if it's because, like, your husband finally said, I'm done, and he left. And mm-hmm. so she didn't have the power of ending that relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know. It's really strange. Like, you obviously weren't happy in your marriage, so why would you want to keep it together? But for her, I know control is a huge factor. She has to have control over everything. And that was my biggest struggle at the beginning of the blend was the control that she had. What I felt and perceived was over me and my schedule and my husband. And that was a lot of our stress at the beginning. Mm -hmm. So they had in their first marriage, they actually got, they got divorced on their own. They were able to do the divorce. They didn't have, luckily in our County was in California the court system varies from county to county, but it's very um, much set up so you can represent yourself. And when it's amicable like that, you can actually go. And I did the same thing with my ex-husband is there's um, it's a, it's actually a lawyer or law firm, but you go in together as a couple and you sit down with the lawyer, you divvy up everything, everything's agreed upon and they just do the paperwork for you. So really you only have to pay for the paperwork portion. Oh, that's um, so you great. Can get divorced yeah, for 500 bucks. We got a divorce for 500 bucks. Now that can backfire, which it did for both of us, <laughs> because 
when they divorced, they didn't um, have a custody agreement. It was very vague. He had the kids every other weekend, but there was no specific drop-off times. There was no holidays. There was no nothing that was specific. So she would use the kids and the schedule against him and use it as leverage to get what she wanted. And that was one of the very first things that became a huge tension between me, my husband and I, because I would be like, well, when are we going to have the kids? And I, you know, I need to plan. I have to make my work schedule out three months in advance. If we're going to have the kids on Christmas, I need to, you know, do I take Christmas off this year? Do I take Thanksgiving off? Because I work holidays and weekends and I was always the planner. And so that was the most frustrating. And then I would be going to him and saying, why aren't you asking her when we're having the kids. And then he would ask her, she wouldn't respond. And then I'd get mad at him. So he was like in the middle. And as David said, he felt like his head was in a vice, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) because he couldn't make either person happy. And it was always like, he would always give in to her, whatever she wanted and her demands. He was always afraid of just making her mad. And so that was frustrating because and it always, it makes you feel like you're second because you're like, well, you don't care if you're making me mad, but you care if you're making her mad. Right. But it's like, he knew that she was going to try to make his life hell, whereas I wouldn't do that. And so that's where I hear a lot of stepmoms complaining about feeling second. Like, why does he always try to make the ex happy? And that's why, because he knows that she's the evil from under that is going to destroy his life. <laughs> well, that, and he's worried that she's going to keep the kids from him. Exactly. Did y'all experience that? She would do like things like that where luckily she never kept them from him. Like, but she was very greedy with her time with them. For example, on the first year we were supposed to have, cause he didn't have a lot of family around here. So he was kind of casual about the, the holidays. Like, Oh, well, you know, they have traditions and they go and do this on Christmas Eve and then they go to this on Christmas day. And so the first year they were divorced. They, you know, she invited him over to open gifts that Christmas morning, but that was the most time that he got with them. So when we started dating and I was like, well, usually on Christmas, I do a big Christmas dinner. I have everyone over. You should get the kids. Like, it's only fair that you should get them for a portion of the holiday. And so he got her to agree to let him see the kids Christmas day. So she would get them Christmas Eve and Christmas morning. Well, she didn't drop them off until 5 p.m. on Christmas Day. Well, we're all sitting around waiting to start our Christmas feast. And she was like, well, I wanted to take them to my dad's. And then I wanted to take them to my mom's. And, and then we have this Christmas party we have to go to. Just fair. And to me, it was just so greedy because my relationship with my ex, everything was so 50-50. I went be above and beyond to make sure everything was fair. Like, Every other Christmas, we would switch off Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, making sure that he got as equal time with her as possible. And so I just never understood, like, why are you trying to keep the kids from their dad and understanding, Mm -hmm. like, how important that relationship is. And so I came in as super stepmom with my cape to beat the evil bio mom, Mm -hmm. and I was you know, in his ear, like, well, we need to get a new court order and you need, you should get more time with them. And she's being greedy, you know, trying to, I just felt like there was a huge injustice. So when he, you know, when we first met, we only had every other weekend. So I had 
you know, the reason why he didn't have them during the week was because he leaves for work too early to get them to school. And it's a weird thing in California, at least in a lot of the cities that I've lived, they don't have school buses anymore. They've decided to cut that out of the budget. So that leaves the parents, you know, responsible for getting the kids to and from school, which is really frustrating. But that was the case here. And so he wasn't able to take them to school. So, um, you know, he just really relinquished that time to to her. But then on the school breaks, I was like, well, why can't you have them on the school breaks? You know, they're um, just sitting at home while she's at work. There's no different as sitting at home while you're at work. Right. So I really pushed for him to try to get more custody time with them. And uh, I kind of regret that now because (laughs) it's just, if he wasn't, you know, I cared more than the bio parent, essentially. Like if he didn't care and he was happy with that schedule, I should have just let it be. And I was kind of being a high conflict stepmom. If you, you know, if I'm looking back at it. Right. Well, it's easy because we feel like that things should be fair. Mm -hmm. The, Buy a mom shouldn't keep the kid till five o'clock on Christmas Day. It should be more of an equal time for holidays. And mm-hmm. like you said, you never knew when they were coming. So you wanted that stability. And the way to get that was to go back to court. Mm-hmm. And you felt like he should have as much time as buy a mom. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. But so many stepmoms or even stepdads do regret pushing their significant other to get more time with their kids. I do. And I, it's, I think part of it too, is that it really made the problems on the bio moms. And like, I think it just made it worse because she, you know, if she would have just gotten her way as she was, she wouldn't have been so much trouble. <laughs> right. But I, I look, I, I do look at it now. Like it's been difficult for me, but ultimately all of that was to, help with the relationship between my husband and his kids. And he does have a really great relationship with them. So I don't regret that, Mm -hmm. but I, I was going into this. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was getting into. (laughs) So I just was trying to do, I felt like it was an injustice. I wanted things to be fair. So I was really like pushing plus that it was part of a control thing too, because here I am feeling like this ex-wife has control over my life and I'm trying to plan vacations and holidays and I can't make my own schedule because she's using it, you know, to hold it over him. And then she would say things like, well, I don't know what I'm doing that far out. And I'm like, it doesn't matter what you're doing. Just let us know when we're going to get the kids and what time. Right. And so, but things were, were pretty good at the beginning. Of course, we only, only saw the kids every other weekend. Now I work weekends too. So Really, I didn't see the kids that often, say maybe like, you know, once a month. Because first, obviously, when you're first dating, the times that you're going to see your, you know, your your girlfriend or boyfriend is going to be on the days they don't have their kids. Right. That's usually how it is. So you don't really get to know the kids. And we got along fine at the beginning, of course. You know, we're just doing, most of the time was we were doing fun things because we'd plan like trips or uh, vacations and so it was always like a fun activities mm-hmm. um, not the usual day-to-day let's do chores kind of stuff so when we moved in we actually dated for a year when he, he moved in with me uh, because you know he was he was renting a room 
from his friend. So it wasn't a really great situation because he was paying her so much child support, he couldn't afford his own place. Uh, So it just made sense for him to move in with me. And I had enough space for all the kids to have their own bedrooms. But I remember she, she was so vindictive when he was trying to get the schedule to change because he was going for half of their holiday or basically half of their school breaks and holidays. And we were trying to get that kind of set in stone. And, um, she had, she was hiding her, some of her income because she works off of commission. And she said, you know, oh, well, that commission doesn't count because it's not guaranteed. And he's like, oh no, your commission counts just because it's not your regular paycheck. It's just like, if you work overtime, that's still counted as your annual income. So when they recalculated the child support and it, it had dropped a couple hundred dollars, and she was so angry about it. And she's like, well, you're still never going to be able to afford your own place. Like, I just don't understand like where that was coming from. Like, wouldn't you want him to have a place for the kids to go to when they're there and have their own space? But really she was trying to use it against him because she tried to use everything that she thought to, that he couldn't have the kids. So right. she would say, well, they don't, ha- they don't have their own bedrooms and they should stay here. And, and he was already getting very little time with them. And so he got smart. He actually hired a lawyer just to be like a consultant. So basically he could get advice from them, which still wasn't cheap, but it's definitely cheaper than going through the whole you know legal process. And so mm-hmm. the lawyer was like, no, no, you can still, you know, have the kids. They don't have to have their own bedrooms and you can even pick them up after school and have them for dinner and then drop them back off at her house in the evening. And that time counts. It doesn't have to be overnight. So he had already been picking up his son to go to baseball because he coached the baseball team. So he was counting that time, you know, in the evening that even though they weren't spending the night as custody time. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of bio mom's motivation too was financial because for every little bit of time that he had that was less money she was getting. Right. And that's sad. Yes. That's so sad. I know here it is based off of nights mm-hmm. in South Carolina. And what's funny is the non-custodial parent could go pick the kid up at eight o'clock at night, mm-hmm. take him home, put him to bed, take him to school the next day. Then the next day, go pick them up at 8 o'clock at night. So basically, the kid's only spending the night there. That's it. Mm-hmm. There's no having to do homework or any parental responsibilities. But that counts as time in regards to calculating child support. You get the full 24 hours. Yes. If they spend the night, wow. it counts as one day. That doesn't seem right. But yeah, the, the family court system, I'll tell you, Ooh. it's not fun. No. And that's, how is that? That doesn't even make sense. Like, it seems like it should be, you know, the same across the board. And it does make sense to count hours because, you know, it, it's true. Like if you're a working parent and you're not able to get the kids to school, it should really count as parenting time if you're spending time with them. So on the books that he had every other weekend, half of the holidays, and then a couple evenings, like dinners with the kids. Mm Mm-hmm. So when he moved in with me, then I was able to spend more time with the kids. And it was great because they actually, my daughter and his daughter got along fantastically. They were like two peas in a pod. They just, 
even though my daughter is actually closer in age to his son, the the girls just hit it off. And it was so heartwarming. I felt like, oh my gosh, my daughter is not going to be an only child. You know, it was really something that I could never give her was a sibling. And it seemed like everything was going to be great. So we're going into this blend thinking we've got this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> everything is good. And that's when, you know, you start to see the differences in parenting as we move in together. So the first thing, you know, that was a huge challenge for us was food because his kids were quite picky compared to how my daughter was. My daughter, she eats what I eat. I'm making steak potato and a garden salad. That's what she's having. You know, I'm having Mm -hmm. squash and salmon. She's eating squash and salmon. Well, these kids come in and they're eating like chicken nuggets and pizza and hot dogs and just stuff that really I felt was unhealthy, you know? Uh And one of the first, one of the first things he said to me was, I'm never going to make my kids eat something they don't want. So at least he was honest up front about that. That was one thing about his parenting that, you know, he came forward with uh, right off the bat. And that actually caused a lot of issues, which would force me to nacho the first time. I didn't even know what, you know, nachoing was at the time, but at that point I decided that, you know, meals were going to be his responsibility. I got, I couldn't even grocery shop anymore. I was getting so frustrated. So like my stepson, he was very, he still is very particular about everything. Like for example, yogurt at the time, he would only eat strawberry, you play yogurt. Couldn't be any other brand. It couldn't be any other flavor. And they both would only eat honey ham on their sandwiches. And we didn't eat ham. I always, if I don't really eat a lot of processed meat, but I would always get turkey because it was a little bit leaner. So I would go, okay, no problem. You put it on the list. I went and got honey ham from the grocery store. Well, it was the wrong brand of honey ham. (laughs) I was like, okay. Or I got just regular ham and it wasn't the right thing. So then they wouldn't eat it and this food would just go to waste. And that was always frustrating. You know, I grew up poor. So I was just like, wasting food was like a huge big deal to me. And like for my daughter, if I bought something and she was like, oh, I don't really care for this. I'm like, well, we're going to eat it. Like, we're not going to waste it. And then next time we know we'll get something different. Mm -hmm. Well, that wasn't the case for his kids. He wouldn't make them eat it. So then there would all be all this food that would end up getting thrown away. So I had to start nachoing, grocery shopping for his kids. And it was the same thing with, you know, those little, uh, you know what a cutie is? Yeah, those oranges. Yeah, they're Mandarin like the oranges. Mandarins. Yeah. Yeah. So I bought those, but they were a different brand. There was like whatever the grocery store was. They look identical. But I honestly, I think if he didn't see the wrapper, he wouldn't have known. But stepson refused to eat them because they weren't the brand mm-hmm. cuties. Like this is the kind of stuff. Like his spaghetti can't have any sauce on it. He won't eat any kind of like marinara. Or we have to make him separate meals. And so... I just wasn't going to do it. I'm like, I'm sorry. I just don't believe in that. That's not the kind of parenting that I, I believe in. I think that you're basically raising them to be picky eaters. And like, what happens when he goes to a friend's house? Is he going to be like, sorry, I'm not going to eat that because you put a sauce on it, (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. So that was, that was kind of one of the little challenges. And it it wasn't that big a deal because we were all, you know, only every other weekend. So, but then once we uh, became 50 50 and it was becoming more like I'm tired of eating hamburgers every night. I'm like, I don't want to eat chicken nuggets every night. 
So I just started cooking separately, you know, healthier things for myself and my daughter. Mm-hmm. So that was that was one of the the first, you know, challenges in our parenting differences. Yeah. And food is such a big issue. It can be. It can be. And it was and it was really hard. And I hear this a lot in the stepmom groups too. It's because it does affect my daughter, to be honest. Before she used to just eat what I made without question. And now that she sees her step siblings refuse to eat certain things like vegetables, now she thinks that she can't, you know, of course she's a teenager now, so she's pushing back, like, well, I don't want to eat the squash. Yeah. You know, so some of the bad eating habits did rub off on her, unfortunately. Yeah. So that's reality. And that and that sucks. And I feel it's like, man, I had her, you know, eating salads, green veggies, fresh veggies, and now she's once canned green beans. That's what the kids eat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, but you got to pick your battles. Yes, you do. And you could have told your daughter, no, I'm your mom. You're going to eat what I tell you to. Mm-hmm. Would that have been worth the fight? And I hope I'm setting it. I think that, you know, that's the other thing I'm parenting by example. Like I want her to see. And here's the thing too, is she, her dad, you know, doesn't eat very healthy either. Usually like he'll give her a lot of like fast food stuff, which I don't do. And so I already know that she's getting that influence from him. And then now she's getting the influence from her, you know, her siblings, her step siblings. And she's probably getting that influence from school kids showing up with, you know, Twinkies and Oreos in their lunches. And I've got an apple on hers. Like it, she's trading that apple, (laughs) (laughs) but you know what I mean? Like you, as step parents, we're so frustrated by when they say like, well, other kids get to do this. Well, that's, that's true. You're going to see that everywhere. They're going to be exposed to different parenting styles and you just have to hope that they're going to, you know, learn from, you know, your example. Mm-hmm. So how did you hear about Nacho Kids? My sister-in-law had introduced me to Nacho Kids. She is a stepmom as well. And she's one of the few people that I really can open up to. We both are able to, you know, talk about our problems and vent. We're always venting to each other. When the other parenting differences started to rear its ugly head, we ha- I was having a lot of issues with my husband. A lot of it was like revolving around chores. So of course, when we're dating, you know, we're talking about how we were raised and, you know, we were expected to do chores and he had to get up on Saturday morning to go work with his stepdad and his sister had chores and same for me. So I honestly thought when we would be parenting very similar, Mm -hmm. I thought we were going to have the same expectations. The kids have, you know, to be contributing to the household. Like that's just part of what it is to live in a house together, especially when you have five people it's like you can't expect one person to be doing all of the cleaning right so I was surprised when we did get 50 50 custody and he wasn't parenting like the way that he said he was Mm -hmm. and so a lot of the things that were coming up were frustrating like the kids not rinsing their dishes and putting it in the dishwasher or even you know helping with the dishes or emptying the dishwasher or doing chores around the house And so I was talking back and forth with my sister-in-law about all my frustrations and she brought up Nacho. She'd been part of some, you know, stepmom Facebook groups. And um, so I started to look into it and I was like, oh, okay, I get this. Like I need to learn, you know, how to just not 
to, to let it go, to basically mm -hmm. let him be in charge of his kids' chores and not me trying to get them to do chores. Right. So the biggest things were the dishes in the sink. That was always like my biggest pet peeve. And the toaster. So I told you about the toaster. I always kept the toaster in the cabinet because I really like my kitchen to be clutter-free, the countertops clear as possible. There's not a lot of counter space. So I'd always put the, the toaster away. Well, the kids would always bring the toaster out and leave it on the counter. Mm -hmm. Every morning I'd come back in the kitchen and I'd put the toaster away and they would leave the toaster out and then put the toaster away. And you're like, dang it. <laughs> I know. It was so frustrating. And looking back at it now, I'm like, it seems so trivial, but it really would piss me off. Right. So finally, like, as I like to think of it as a nacho win is I went and bought the prettiest toaster that I could find online on Amazon. It matched, had this like ombre stainless steel, it matched my uh, appliances and I plopped it on the counter and now it has a spot. And did I win? I mean, they, I, like, I guess the kids, they got the toaster on the counter, like they were leaving it. But for me, it was a win because now it's not a frustration. Every day I have to go into the kitchen and see that toaster and, you know, in my mind thinking those lazy stepkids leaving their toaster out on the counter. Mm -hmm. So it was a win for me because it reduced my stress. It's yeah. definitely a win. And the thing about it is they weren't leaving that toaster out to upset you. We might think they are. But 90% of the time, the kids aren't doing something to upset you. Mm -hmm. They're doing it because that's what they're used to doing. And that's true. Because I really thought that bowl in the sink, my stepson was doing it on purpose. Like I, I felt like he was just like really trying to push my buttons. And I remember there was a time too where he used to say, it's like, well, I don't have to do that at my mom's. So in his mind, he's probably like, why do I have to do this? Not necessarily like, hey, I'm going to do this to stepmom. Mm-hmm. They're, they're just doing what they normally do. And I was just taking it so personally. So that took a lot of work to eventually learn to control how those things affected me. And that was a whole, that was a whole lot to do with Macho. And that was the, the work that I had to do yeah. um, for my, on my, on myself. And a lot of people think that the nacho method is just disengaging, which it's not. And you know that mm -hmm. because you joined the academy. Yes. So things got worse before they, uh, you know, before I got to that point, unfortunately. And it really kind of went back to my stepson's relationship with his, well, with me and his mom. So before when we just had the week, every other weekend, and half the holidays that was before COVID. Mm -hmm. And then when COVID hit, my husband was seeing his kids a lot less because he was no longer taking them to baseball. So in California, things really shut down. Like they were, the kids weren't allowed to do any sports. Like literally the playgrounds were taped off with caution tape. You couldn't even go to the park. It was just, really sad shut down yeah. the kids it was and it stayed that way for a long time and so he wasn't seeing the kids like he was before picking them up to take them to to practice and, and that lasted for a really long time so he actually asked bio mom you know hey can i 
and and of course they were distance learning too, right? So they were doing Zoom school, just mm-hmm. sitting at her house on their computers. So he was like, well, there's no reason for them not to be able to do that at my house. He, they could do Zoom school from, from here and then I can see the kids more. And she said no. And there was a lot of, of other factors that were going on. My ex-husband got into a relationship with his you know, his girlfriend, he started to like pull away, actually wanting to spend less time with my bio daughter, which is a whole another sad story. But we ended up making the decision to move closer to bio mom so he could be closer to his kids. Mm -hmm. So we lived about 30 minutes away, which, you know, was in a different school district, but the school district that we were going to be moving to, they do have buses that you have to, it's, they do have school buses, but you have to pay for it. So you have to get them a special pass and there was that option, whereas the school district where we were living in, they didn't. So mm-hmm. it was actually a lot of factors why we decided to move to the town where they his kids were living. And and one of them was the, bu- the bus transportation. So I was mm-hmm. having a hard time getting my daughter to and from school. And she was in middle school. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do a big move and move her, change schools, like this is the time to do it. That'll give her opportunity to meet friends and, and get to know people before going to high school. And uh, it was like July of 2020. So things were still pretty like quiet on the real estate. You know, a lot of people weren't sure how the market was going to go. So there was only two houses in the city that were really what we were looking for, like size and location wise. So we, they didn't have open houses. So you can't actually just go to look at the houses whenever you wanted. You have to make an appointment with your real estate agent and you get to do a little walkthrough of the house and then that was it. So the between the two houses, we ended up going with the one that was a little more outdated that needed some remodeling, but it was on a, on a bigger lot. The other house was newer, but it was on a small lot, which we knew we wanted to have more space. So we decided to buy that house. The only other time that my husband, he did get to see the house when they came to do the final expect, um, inspection, but I didn't come on that day because I was working. So when we finally got the keys to the house, like I had only seen it the one time briefly when we walked through it, I just had seen a lot of pictures, you know, online and we're walking through the house again with our realtor and we had the kids cause it was the first time they got to see the house too. Mm-hmm. And I look out my bedroom window window cause we're upstairs from the primary bedroom and I can see bio mom's backyard. Oh gosh. <laughs> My eyes got so big. I looked at my real estate agent and I'm like, oh my God, I would not have bought this house if I would have known that I could see the ex's house. Oh, so yeah, because when I walked through the first time, I wasn't looking out the windows like at the neighborhood. I was looking at, you know, the, the layout and where was I put the bed and the bathroom and, um, so yeah, that was kind of a surprise. And I'm sure by a mom, you know, was thinking, what the heck? But the kids were so excited. They loved it because we're basically around the corner from their mom's house. Yeah. And uh, they were super happy. And of course, that's when my husband told her, you know, now that we're in the school district, I can, you know, the kids can get to school. I can have them during the week. I want 50-50. She said, no. Well, and I'm telling you, and well, here in California, we're pretty, pretty forward with the dads getting custody and, and it's very like a 50, 50 
kind of state. Mm-hmm. So there was no way, and and this is what his his lawyer had even said. There's no judge that judge that's going to say no to fifty fifty, especially if you're like literally live around the block. And there was no reason, you know, he's a good dad. He's he's not abusive, right? Like he's a really involved parent, but she was just hanging on to every last thread of she could of control. And so she said no. And she said, well, let's do a six week trial. Well, we'll do 50, 50 and we'll just see at the end of the six weeks if the kids, you know, like it, if it works. And I truly think she thought the kids were going to choose her. Like I, and I, and I feel like she was expecting the kids at the end to be like, oh no, we want to be with mom. So that was probably really hard on her. And, but she did a lot of manipulation. There was a lot of phone calls and not intentionally, but I overheard her like sobbing on the phone about how much she missed them and, and, and things like that. And so the kids were really caught in this loyalty bind with, you know, by along because every time they would go back to her and they would say, Oh, we had so much fun at dad's and stepmoms and we did this and that. And bio mom even wrote my husband an email saying like, I have to hear about you guys having fun when they're with you. Like, how is that a bad thing? Like you shouldn't be happy that, that the kids are having a, a good time, but she really made them feel guilty to the point where they eventually learned like they couldn't talk about what they did with us mm-hmm. with her. And even they, they both have um, Instagram accounts, the, you know, the little social media where they post stuff and they would never, ever post anything about what they did with us or pictures of their dad or them with their dad. Like if it looked from the outside, you would look at their Instagram accounts. Like we don't even exist. And they mm-hmm. would always post things about their mom and, Oh, my mom did this and we did that. Yeah. And it was really bothering me. Like it was like, it, first off, it was hard for me to see for my husband, you know, for him. But the thing is he, it didn't bother him as much. Like he knew where it was coming from. He knew it was because of bio mom. But for me, it was a lot harder because I was feeling that, that rejection, you know, of I'm doing all of this stuff and I'm planning all these vacations and I sold my house and I moved to this town all for you guys and I get no appreciation and no thanks. And they probably actually are upset that I did all that because it's only making their mom more sad, you know, and they have a lot of guilt and that's, that's the thing. It's, it's not the stepkids at all. It's the situation or the position they've been put in. Yeah. And that's so sad. What's your relationship like with your stepkids? Let's go through the process. What was it like when you first met them versus now? Yeah, I know you talk about like there's always like an event that changes the relationship. Like, you know, you get married or you move in together. But I can tell you right off the bat, my stepson was always very resistant to our the blend, I should should say. Like he's he's really close with his dad and they're very they've got a really good relationship, but he was always very like protective. He never really wanted to get comfortable when they moved into my house. I gave, you know, he got his own room and I, and I told them they could decorate and they could paint whatever they wanted. And he just never, he never brought over a picture. He never even unpacked. Like he would just always keep his stuff in his bag. And whereas my stepdaughter, she moved in, she brought in pictures and we hung on the wall and we got her a new bed and a bedspread and, you know, we painted and, she really like settled in and she was always like super 
loving and friendly. She's very, her personality is very much like my husband. In fact, she looks identical to him. She's like a <laughs> mini version of him. And it's just so adorable. And I'll tell you, she's like my spirit animal because this is like, this child is thick and span clean. Like her room is always tidy. She'll come into the kitchen and be like, how can I help? Can I help you with chores? Like just volunteering. She always wanted to go with me everywhere. Wow. Like, even if I was just going to the grocery store, she'd want to come along. And so it'd always be a lot of times just me and my daughter and my stepdaughter because, she, you know, we were always out and about and doing stuff where my stepson never really wanted to do that. He was always in his room playing video games, you know. And so that was fine. I never like really wanted to force a relationship with him. You know, I figured, I don't know if necessarily like a, a boy girl thing, because, but he, you know, I figured like he's here to visit his dad. And that's as long as they're getting that time together, then that's fine. But stepdaughter would want to crawl into bed with me and we'd watch movies. And it was just really fun. And that relationship ended up changing a bit when she got older. But an, initially, right off the bat, this, you know, stepson was resistant. He'd always say things like, you know, oh, I don't have to do that at my mom's or he started coming over saying things like, well, when I turn 14, I can choose when I want to come, <laughs> you know, things like that. So, and he would, oh, he was like, he is a miniature version of bio mom. He looks mm. just like her, very similar, similar personalities. He was always very protective of her, like saying things like, you know, I'm the man of the house. And, and I think too, like, because she never got into another serious relationship that he still feels that way about her. Mm -hmm. And things were pretty, like, we were, we, it wasn't that we were, like, super friendly and got along great. It was fine, you know, we got along fine. But things just got worse over time. And it really was a turning point the summer before they were going. Uh, so my stepson and my, my, my daughter are both in the same grade. So they were going into high school that fall. So that summer before their freshman year, and we were trying to figure out transportation because we both, my husband and I leave for work too early to take them to school. So the plan was for them to take the school bus. Um, that was one of the whole big reasons why we moved here. So, and it was only going to be like two, maybe three days a week, just the days that I work that they would take the bus to school. And stepson came to us and was like, I don't want to take the bus. He was like, I want, you know, to be dropped off and picked up. And apparently he had already talked to his mom about it. And she had said that she'd be willing to take him to school on the days that I work. But she wanted me to help with transportation during her days. What? That was a big no. Yeah. <laughs> she wanted me to help get pick them up and take them to school when they were with her. I was like, no, I think we're just going to stick with the plan. We'll just, you know, on the days that I'm working, you're going to take the bus. And then on the other days, I have no problem taking you to school. Mm -hmm. Well, he didn't like that. And that's when the silent treatment started. And um, he just completely stonewalled me or gray walked me, whatever you want to call it. They, you know, he just, and, and I don't, I think it, part of it was him because he's very much like his mom. You know, he wants what he wants. He gets what he wants. and probably because of her, he felt like we needed to help her. And actually they told us that she said that it was my job because I was a step parent. <laughs> yeah. But you let the step parent discipline little Johnny 
and she's going to change her tune. Yeah. So that was the thing is, you know, he wasn't getting his way. She wasn't getting her way. And I was like, no, you're going to take the school bus, you know? Mm -hmm. So he, that's, he just stopped talking to me. He just basically started ignoring me. It was becoming more and more uncomfortable. And so on the days that I was taking him to school, he would get in the car and he'd, he'd slam the door and he'd cross his arms and then he'd like get and the whole car ride, you know, I've got the girls in the back and everyone's in silence because like, it's just this awkward tension. And then he would like, you know, mumble under his breath and he didn't like any, it didn't matter what I did. So I didn't leave at the same time his mom left. So his mom Mm -hmm. always left a little bit earlier because she had to get to work. I didn't have to work on those days. So I'd leave as late as possible to give us the most time to sleep in. So she would drop him off at the nearby coffee shop because it was early and then he'd walk up to the school. Well, I would drop him off right in front of the school. So that wasn't what he wanted. So Mm -hmm. he was mad about everything because it wasn't what his mom did. Right. And so the tension was just getting so bad. And I had started, um, that was around the time when my sister-in-law talked to me about Nacho and I had joined the group and I was like kind of trying to figure out what it was. And I didn't really get a good grasp on it, you know, initially because I was in the Facebook group, but I ended up, and then I did end up joining the academy because I was feeling like just the the whole tension in the house. And then it was causing a, a rift between me and my husband. And it was, everything was just coming to an explosion. The, the chores, the kids weren't doing chores and we were constantly fighting. Mm-hmm. So I, I joined the Nacho Kids Academy and right around that time was uh, around Christmas. It was at the end of their first semester. And I told my husband, like, I think I'm going to nacho transportation. It was just getting to the point where it was just too uncomfortable. And I just didn't want to do it anymore. I was like, if he's not going to be, you know, if he's going to behave like that, then I don't want to give him a ride. Right. So my husband, I think and I know that he was angry about it at first. And I felt a lot of guilt because I was the stepmom that was like, Oh, you should get more custody. I'll help you. I'll do the transportation. I'll help with the kids, you know, and now I'm stepping back from all of that. So there was a lot of guilt. And I think there was a lot of anger on his part. I think for him, it wasn't that he was angry that he had to be the parent, you know, he had to do the duties. I think he was thinking of it as a rejection of his kids. Like you don't like my kids. Right. Yes. And that, that wasn't it at all. Um, but I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I, you know, I nachoed for the wrong reasons initially. I, or I did it the wrong way. I thought at first, well, they're not going to appreciate me. I'm just going to stop doing all this stuff. And then they're going to see all the things that I did. And, and then, they're going to say, oh, stepmom, we're so sorry. We should have appreciated you for all the things that you did. And when that didn't happen, there was a lot of sadness and disappointment. And I went through a whole phase where I had to really mourn the fact that the family that I imagined I was going to have didn't wasn't happening, that it wasn't going to be this big, happy family that I had been working so hard to build and and all these vacations I had set we've all gone on I had you know planned so we could bond and I sold my house and we moved to a new city and all of these things and they didn't appreciate a single thing yeah now with my stepkids 
there was mm-hmm. one that I noticed appreciation quite quickly. Mm-hmm. And it was because I stopped catering to them as far as like their cereals. So David could go to the grocery store. Well, he wasn't buying their favorite cereal. So one of them made a comment to David and said, can we get such and such cereal the next time? And he said, well, I think Lori's going to the grocery store. You can ask her if she'll get it for you. Do you think that kid asked me? Nope. (laughs) Two, three weeks later, the kid brought it up again. And David said, you can ask Lori because I think she's going to the grocery store. And he was trying to get them to not necessarily re-engage, but to communicate with me. And finally, the kid came up and he's like, hey, Lori. I was like, hey. He said, when you go to the grocery store, would you mind getting me such and such? I was like, sure, no problem. So when I brought in, he's like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because he realized daddy wasn't doing that for him. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't all the kids that reacted that way. Some of them, I think, would have rather eat dog food than ask me to get them a certain (laughs) cereal. (laughs) Well, that's good to hear because I, I... I really, I had heard your guys' story and about how David would always try to encourage positive interactions between mm-hmm. you guys. And like, that's what I was trying to get my husband to do. And I was like, you, you know, like you need to give me more credit, like, especially since really at the beginning of our relationship, he was, you know, financially couldn't afford to do a lot of extra things. So I was putting the bill, like I, I, I took him to Disneyland we went white water river rafting. I'd rent cabins up in the, you know, up in the mountains so we could go skiing. I took them, we went to Hawaii, which is where we got married, like, you know, all these things that I was paying for. And at the time I didn't want credit. I wouldn't be like, everyone needs to thank me. You know, it was more just, okay, no problem. I'm gonna pay for it. But then when it got to this point where I was now I felt like I wanted the appreciation. So I was telling, you know, I told him I was like, you know, trying to get him to do the same. Like every time my stepdaughter would say, I want to go back to Hawaii. In my mind, I was hoping he would be like, well, you should go ask stepmom. You know, stepmom is one that plans all the vacations to really kind of let them see that all of this, you know, the things that I was doing. But he he never really caught on to that. Yeah, unfortunately. So and that was also building resentment for me and my husband. Like I was feeling the same way about him. Like he wasn't appreciating all the things that I had done for him and his kids. And we were struggling in our our relationship. And I can't tell you how many times I was looking at real estate, trying to find a place where I could move when we got divorced. And my foot was definitely out the door. I had my my head was out the door. My hand was out the door. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and I was struggling. And I think that's where when the Nacho Kids method really helped me because, you know, my issue wasn't necessarily like a lot of the step parents are having issues with parenting the kids. So our kids are old enough. They're not really, I'm just, we're not, I'm not really parenting them. It was more of working on myself and working on changing my perception of the situation that I was in, understanding that the kids were behaving the the way they were because of their mom Mm -hmm. and that it wasn't their fault. And my husband was behaving in ways that were also in consequence to his situation. Like 
when he said that he was going to be a certain type of parent and he wasn't, it was because he was afraid that they would say, I'm going to go live with my mom. And so he didn't make them do chores. And there was a period where I thought that was the most unattractive thing. Like Mm -hmm. I I thought he's letting his 15 year old son bully his, his wife. Like he's, he's putting his son before me and he's not putting his foot down and he's letting him rule the house and get away with whatever, whatever he wants. And so I was becoming really unattracted to him. It was to the point where I had to start to change the way that I was looking at my husband Mm -hmm. and understanding the way that he was parenting the best way that he knew how in the situation that he was doing. And, and I had to start looking at the things that I did. I had to change like what I was looking at instead of focusing on his kids, not doing chores. I'm going to focus on him as a husband. Like, how does he treat me? Yes. Like, what are the things that make me love him? And Mm -hmm. totally separating him as a parent and my relationship with him. And we, we did end up doing some couples counseling, which really helped. But ultimately, it was the work that I did on myself. Yes. And that was thanks to Nacho. And it's not easy. I know you did a lot of work on yourself. Oh, yeah. And one of the hardest parts is when you realize, oh, I am a contributing factor to the chaos. Yeah. And, and, and some of, and it's nice now that I've, you know, a year and a half in to understand, you know, learning Nacho. I'm still learning, but I, I like now that I, I go on the Facebook group, which can be chaos in itself. But Ooh, yeah. when I see par- you know, step parents or stepmoms on there posting and, they're in the place where I was a year and a half ago. And I can look back and see like, wow, I've grown so much because I can see that they're having the same complaints that I had. Right. And they're talking about wanting to leave their husband because of how they don't agree with their parenting. And, and so I like to be able to, you know, go in there and give some advice because here's the thing is, yeah, the kids aren't going to be gone, gone when they become adults, but it's going to change. And it's not going to matter if they're doing chores once they're off to college and they're on their own, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not going to be affecting me. What's going to matter is it's our relationship. And is this the person that I want to spend the rest of my life with? Right. Yes. And if we, if we did divorce, I'm probably going to be, end up in a relationship with somebody else that has kids. So yes. there's going to be similar or the same problems. Exactly. And what gets me is when I see a, we'll say stepmom that has a child with their partner, but they are willing or say they are willing to leave that relationship because of how their partner parents, their first set of bio kids. Mm -hmm. So you're going to lose 50% of time with your own kid rather than trying to, overcome these challenges with him not parenting like you think he should? That makes no sense to me. You're right. And I think what we don't understand when we go in, or at least I didn't, you know, when I went into my first marriage, I think a lot of us do is we think, oh, we're, we're in love. Love conquers all. Like that's all that matters. But Mm -hmm. really marriage is a lot of work. And to be honest, and not that I love my husband, but I think that if I would have understood that in my first marriage, I would have done a lot more work because I thought, you know, like, oh, it's just supposed to like, it just happens. But it's like, no, actually, you're always going to have differences. 
you're always going to have things that you're going to need to work on. There's always going to be compromise and you have to keep putting in the effort into that marriage. And I didn't understand that until now. And that's where it's a day-to-day thing. Like my husband, and I'm sorry, Sylvia, but I do not show my husband. Yes, I do too. Every every time David annoys me, I'm thinking, Sylvia, I'm telling you, you can not show your husband. (laughs) Every time he leaves his clothes on the bedroom floor, I just have to redirect myself instead of being like, oh my gosh, this lazy man thinks I'm a slave. Mm -hmm. I think, oh, you know what? He's so thoughtful. He sends me a text every morning to wish me, you know, a a good day before he goes to work. Like, isn't that sweet? Mm -hmm. And then I just ignore the clothes on the floor. And I have my boundaries, so I do do the laundry. That was one of the things that I prefer to do in our our relationship. Um, But the laundry has to be in the basket. I'm like, if it doesn't make it in the basket, I'm just going to walk right past it. So Mm -hmm. I've I've learned to nacho my husband. Yes. And that's the thing too with like the relationship with, with him and his kids. And as far as he's parenting... To me, I just start, I have to focus on the good things about him and, and the, the reasons why I fell in love with him and what make him a good husband. Right. I think it's beneficial for a lot of people when they join the academy that they learn what guilty parent syndrome truly is. It's not your husband thinking that his kids should never have to do anything. It's the fear that they will say, I'm just going to stay at mom's because I don't have chores there. Or mm-hmm. it's the well, I don't want them to have to clean the whole time they're here. I want them to have a good time. And guilty parent syndrome is real. It is definitely real. And it doesn't make them a bad person or a bad parent. It doesn't, yeah. But being able to separate your husband from a parent of his kids is so important because it reminds you to focus on the things that you fell in love with him for. And you didn't fall in love with him because he popped little Johnny's tail into Walmart for stealing something or picking up something and breaking it. That's not why you fell in love with him. No, and you're very right about the different parenting too, because that was another thing. Part of it was, you know, at first he said he would parent a certain way. And so that was frustrating to me because I'm like, well, you now you're, you lied to me, right? You said you're going to make your kids do chores, but also, I had to think about it from his perspective, not only the guilty parenting syndrome, but for him, in his mind, his son gets good grades. He is very active in sports. He's very responsible. He gets himself to and from his practices, never has to worry about him not getting up in time for school. Mm-hmm. And so those to him are the priority. Like he would rather him have good grades and not have to do dishes. Like, so, and same thing with his daughter, they're both very busy with sports. And so his, in his mind, they shouldn't have to come home and do chores where I don't think that way, but that doesn't mean it's wrong. And it doesn't mean it's bad. And, you know, basically we parent a lot of the times the way that we were parented. And so we haven't, who says that's the right way? Like maybe their way is actually better. And I need to understand that. And actually, I feel like I I definitely have guilty parenting syndrome, but it may not be a bad thing because like my, you know, parents were really strict and I feel like I'm a little less strict on my daughter, but maybe that's a good thing. Maybe we don't need to be so rigid and maybe they'll have a better outcome. Right. Same here. 
my guilty parent syndrome is more of making sure I don't parent like my mom did. Mm -hmm. Because I want Jack and I to have a different relationship. And, of course, there is the fact that I don't want him to go, well, I'm going to live with my dad because he lets me blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of it is I just know that my mom and I had such a horrible relationship, and it didn't have to be that way. You can... Talk to your kids about things that they're doing that are wrong without putting them on restriction for two months. And that was my mom. She went to extremes. She wouldn't put you on restriction for a week. It was two months. <laughs> Straight out the gate. Oh, that was me. I was I was grounded all the time. Like I was I had so many responsibilities and chores and and I it's I do appreciate some of those things because I, yeah. you know, I do think that we should have, you know, some responsibilities, but then again, I was grounded all the time, you know, mm-hmm. and I don't want that for my daughter. So I, I try to pick my battles too. I'm not going to, I don't ground her for every little thing that she does because I don't want to be as strict as they were on me. Right. Right. And to your husband, I bet you, if y'all had an hour's child, he would parent that hour's child. Like he said, he was going to parent his stepkids mm-hmm. or his mm-hmm. real kids. You know, y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. (laughs) The first kids. (laughs) Yeah. I think so, too. Because I know David and I, we agreed on how we would parent and all this stuff, but it was a questionnaire for nuclear families, not blended families. Yeah. And it makes a difference. It really does. So what's your relationship like with your stepkids now? And what's the relationship like with your bio daughter with the stepkids? Yeah. So my daughter and my stepdaughter were really, really close. And I think just as, you know, they got older and I think it would be with, even with biological sisters, you know, they grew apart. They have totally different personalities, but they get along fine. In fact, my daughter is, her personality is very chill. She's easygoing. She's very easy to get along with, which the stepdads always get the the credit for everything. But I, I think truly they they tend to nacho naturally, but yes. my step, my husband has it pretty easy because my step, my daughter's pretty, pretty easygoing, easy to get along with. So there was never any issues. There's no issues between the, the kids at all, just that they have different friend groups and they do their own thing. So when I first started to nacho the transportation or, you know, when my stepson just started ignoring me, it was very awkward in the house. And that's the part, that beginning of when my stepdaughter basically started to f- follow along with her brother. I think she was, you know, seeing how he was treating me and she started to behave like he was still, she still interacts with me a little bit more. I think it's not in her nature to behave, you know, to be like that, but she also was, you know, hitting puberty. She turned 13 and started to get her little attitude going on. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of the loyalty binds were starting to take place. Cause when she was younger, she was kind of oblivious to it, but I think eventually she started to see like how her mom behaved. And, you know, now when we go to any kind of uh, sporting events, the kids, you know, or at least stepdaughter will go and sit with her mom. You know, they don't even come over to sit with us. And, you know, like you said to your son about whether or not he would have to choose between the parents. That's exactly how my husband is. He's like, I'm sure it it hurts him that the kids go to sit with her, but he he knows that's because 
of her. Like that's because they are trying to protect their mom, you know, and her Mm -hmm. feelings. And so he's okay with that. Yeah. And so during my nacho like process and learning how, like I had to let that go and I had to be okay with it as well. And so now I just let the kids initiate any kind of interaction and I don't force it with on them at all. Actually, just recently, stepson has started to acknowledge me. (laughs) Seems like basic manners, but he started to say hi to me when he comes into the house. Almost like I think he's starting to forget, you know, the anger against me, like why he was ignoring me in the first place. Because if we think back when we were that age, a year is a long time for them. For me, it felt like I was a stranger in my own home. I spent a lot of time in my room, you know, because I didn't want to be in the room with them if I was just going to be ignored because that was really uncomfortable. We would sit at the dinner table and they're having conversations with dad and I'm just sitting there like this odd man out. So a lot of the, that year I spent feeling very isolated and lonely. And finally, like I just decided, I was like, I didn't want to be left out anymore. Like I, I was just going to go hang out downstairs with my husband. And if the stepson didn't say anything to me, he didn't say anything to me, you know, and I had to let, not let it bother me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So now, yeah, now like stepdaughter, like chit chats with me. She's not as, you know, she doesn't run up to me and give me hugs like she did when she was little and she's not, we're not cuddling on the couch anymore, but she's a teenager. And I think with stepson, he's basically, I don't have expectations for relationships. Thanks to listening to you guys, because he may never want to open up to me and never want to have a relationship with me, but that's okay. And now he is cordial and he says hi when I walk in the door. He doesn't like try to start conversations, but we're basically like roommates. Mm-hmm. It's not the ideal situation. I definitely prefer like the weeks that they're not here because I feel a little bit more like it's my own home. I feel more comfortable. And then I can tell too, when on the weeks when the kids are here, my husband's really busy with all of their activities and taking them there and you know, back and forth. And they've got practices and games and he's exhausted and drained. And so we don't get a lot of time together. So the weeks that they're here, I kind of feel like that's his time with his kids. Mm-hmm. And then usually on transition day, which is Fridays, they'll go back to their moms and we'll try to do like a date night those weekends. So, and it's worked out to where it's the same weekend that my daughter goes to her dad. So then it's just the two of us at home. We can go to dinner, reconnect, feel like we're a married couple again. I no longer get upset about the fact that he's not present for that week. I just focus on, focus on the days and times that we do have together to kind of rekindle and rebuild. And that's always like kind of like the prize at the end of the tunnel. It's like, I know the, the week the kids are here is stressful and and not as comfortable, but then I know once they go home, then we get that date night. And so that's something to look forward to. Yes. So what is one piece of advice that you would give someone that's getting ready to get into a blend? And run cannot be your answer. <laughs> <laughs> getting ready to get into the blend. I think I think the important thing to know at the beginning is that ultimately your focus is your relationship with your spouse and 
to just be support for him. And if a relationship with the stepkids come, it, it comes. But there should be no expectations for how your relationship with the stepkids are going to be. And let them guide that at their own pace. Because you don't know what's going on on the other, on the other end. Yes. Great advice. Great advice. And you can't push it. No. And that's the thing is, I think a lot of us, we put in so much work and, and effort and we're, and then we're just so disappointed and hurt when they, you know, reject you. And that was the, really the hardest part for me was the rejection and all the, the effort that I had put into it. So now when I do stuff for the stepkids, I have to have no expectations for a thank you or appreciation at all. And I have to just do it if I'm going to, you know, give them a gift then there's there's nothing tied to that gift. It's just freely given. Right. And if they don't say thank you, you're okay with that because you didn't have that expectation. Exactly. Yep. So your stepkids now are... Stepson 16 and 14. My daughter's 15. So we've got three teens all at once. Have y'all talked about anticipating or what your expectations are as, as far as when the kids turn 18 and graduate high school. Mm -hmm. Have y'all talked about that? That's a good question. We haven't gotten to detail about it. We do. We have, we've had conversations about it because the cost of living is insane, especially here in California. So we're realistic. We're not expecting the stepkids to be out on their own at, at 18, but yeah, when we were growing up, you could. Yeah, I was, I was out on yeah. my own. I was working and going to school, but you know, that's just not really realistic. So I'm pretty sure my stepson is determined to go to, you know, college away from home. So we're expecting that he's really into athletics. So we're hoping he'll get a scholarship. I have to be honest with you, Lori, I've been banking on that. <laughs> <laughs> if he doesn't, I don't know what that situation is because I already have plans for his bedroom. So I, I know I need to be a little bit more realistic, but I really am planning for him to go to college out, out of the area with my stepdaughter. You know, she's so far, it's so far away. We haven't really talked about it, but that's the thing is I wouldn't even mind if she stayed because you know, we get along fine. Right. But for my daughter, I've already, you know, my daughter's not as motivated to, to leave the nest yet. And so I've already talked to my husband about it and She's planning on doing community college first to save money. He's a veteran. So also we get money uh, for the kids to go to college. So the plan is for her to stay here, you know, not have to worry about like a dorm expenses or, you know, renting a place and be able to do her first two years of college at home and then maybe transfer to a university or something like that. Right. I know with David's kids, of course, the triplets are five years older than Jackson and mm -hmm. Avery's like six and a half years older. But we had always said, as long as you're going to school, you can stay here. But if you aren't going to school, you're going to pay rent. And of course, we didn't tell them, but it wasn't going to be much. And whatever they paid, we were going to give to them when they moved out. Mm -hmm. And with Jackson, I've told him kind of the same thing that you've talked about with your husband. I said, son, when I was growing up, you could honestly get an apartment with a part-time job almost. But now you can't. And I said, I don't want you to, oh, I'm 18. I need to get out so I can 
be an adult and whatever. And then you're living paycheck to paycheck the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. I don't want that for my stepkids. I don't want it for my son. I don't want it for anybody. Mm-hmm. And so I, I had to get student loans to live off of while I was in school and I don't want them to rack up a bunch of student loans. It's already, you know, school's already expensive as it is. So I don't want them to start off life in debt. Yes. Well, we have talked about that because it's exactly the, see, this is the ne- the same scenario that with the chores, because when we talked, my husband and I were, but we both had the same situation. He had to pay rent when he was still living at home. When he turned 18, he had to pay rent. And actually he ended up going into the military as well. But that was always the thing is either if you're in school, you know, that as long as you're in school, you can stay here. But if you're not, you have to work, you know, and and pay rent. So here's the thing, though, is, is he going to follow through with that? Right. Right. (laughs) When When the time comes. Yep. Because I know if David said, well, Jackson needs to pay rent, I wouldn't have a problem with it if he was just staying here just not going to school. But as long as he's going to school, I don't mind him staying here. But I do think it's important for them to have some responsibility. But I I think that I might think of it differently when it's my son versus when it was my stepkids. You want what's best for them and you don't want them to run to get out of the house. And then, like we said, end up living paycheck to paycheck. Because once you move out, you're going to, it's going to be hard to get ahead. Yeah, I think things are just, it's different too than it was when we were growing up. I had to pay my car insurance, you know, and my get for my gas and all that stuff. Yeah, I did too. I thought I, I thought I would do the same for my daughter, but I don't know with gas prices. I don't know if she can afford all that. And she's, she's actually already working. She's 15 and she works two days a week. So I'm already impressed with her. At least she's, you know, has that responsibility. And I kind of let her use that money as her plate money. And usually she just, you know, buys clothes with it and, and, uh, skincare products and makeup and yeah. stuff. So I know things are going to be a little bit different than than the way it was for us, but it, it is hard to know what's going to happen when stepson turns 18 and what if he doesn't get a scholarship? And right. I, I've been banking on that. <laughs> and I, I think part, here's the thing is like, look at my stepdaughter. I, I wouldn't mind staying because at least with my daughter and my stepdaughter, I know that they're going to help around the house. Like I couldn't imagine a full grown, I know 18, you're not, you're, you're an adult, but you're not fully grown. But the thing is, if he's like expecting me to clean up after him, his bowls in the sink, the least, like if I had a roommate, that's the minimum, you would have to at least clean up yes. after yourself. And that's where I would just it's a struggle for me to think about him living here longer because then I feel like I'm going to expect, I'm going to want there to be some expectations. Like maybe we'll have to sit down and and have a list. Like if the kids are going to be here as adults, this is what, there's going to be some rules and boundaries. Actually, I think I just listened to one of your podcasts where you were discussing that as far as, oh, it was Claudette. Yes. Her her kids moved back into the house. And so they had to discuss like what the, you know, their, their boundaries were going to be. And so that might be something that we're going to have to talk about. And I like the idea of having the kids sign it. They had to sign the agreement. Yes. I love that. Like a contract. Mm-hmm. So that's actually something seriously to think about if, if step stepson doesn't end up <laughs> shipping off to out, you know, out of state or I don't know, he's talking about going to Southern California or something, which I re- I'm really hopeful for him. But yeah, I, I honestly like, like I said, I already have plans for his bedroom. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. I don't have a ca- I don't have a countdown on my clock, you know, on my phone. But 
you know, it's kind of sad because I do think about that. Like, oh, I can't wait. I only have three more years or two more years now till he's gone. But then on the flip side, if I'm counting down for him to leave, then that means that's time my daughter's going to be gone. And I don't want to count down those days. Like it's going by too fast. I know. So it's, <laughs> it's a catch 22. I'm like, it's so, it's so sad seeing them grow up and, and it, the time is flying by right before our eyes. And I just wish she was a, a little girl again, you know? Yeah. I completely understand. I do. I look at Jackson sometimes and I'm like, where's my baby? <laughs> I just want the little boy that when he would see me, whether it's first thing when he woke up in the morning or picking him up from daycare, that he was just so happy to see you. I know. Back when they love, you know, they, when they, they loved you. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah. When they wanted to be by our sides all the time. That's what I, I tell know. Jackson back when you loved me. <laughs> I know she still loves me, but it's just different. Yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah. funny though, like when you mentioned how you had different expectations for the stepkids, because I can tell you, Lori, I I have my own bio daughter, but I really, really loved my stepdaughter. I don't, I'm not, I don't anymore as in that same level. But if you were to say, like, do you love your stepkids as much as your own kids? I really adored her. She was obviously she sounded like she sounded like a perfect angel, but she was so so cute and she's just lovable. So if there was any way to love a kid that's not your own, I definitely felt that way about her. And the reason why I say that was because one time someone had left laundry or had pulled my laundry out of the dryer and like put it in the basket and it was still wet and they had put their laundry in, you know, they were doing their laundry and I thought it was stepson and I got so mad, you know, I was so pissed. I thought he's doing this on purpose because, you know, he hates me. Turned out it was stepdaughter's laundry. <laughs> and guess what? I wasn't mad. I, and I totally caught it. I was like, oh, wow. I really wasn't as mad that it was her than if it was him. And it was right. the same. It was the same thing. Like she did that. But I guess part of it too is I didn't think that it was intentional. She would have never done that intentionally. But it was different the way that if it was him, I was angry about it. But if it was her, I was like, oh, she didn't mean to. Yeah, and then you feel like crap for like dissing the stepson because you'd feel that way about him, but you can't help how you feel about people. Yeah, and that was a lesson because then that also goes to show like that dish in the sink, all those times I thought for sure he was doing it to piss me off, <laughs> that maybe he really wasn't and not to take things so personal. Yes, and that's something that we all do in this blended crap is we take things too personally. And it's hard not to. But we have to remind ourselves that this is not about us. It's not. And I'll tell you, next time we talk, when I tell you about me as a stepkid, now that I'm reflecting back, and no, I was not thinking about anyone else but myself. And that's how we were in, at that age. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we expect the stepkids to not be that way. <laughs> Well, and that, but that's the thing is we're, we're so emotionally invested and we put our hearts out there and then when it, it you know, it gets hurt and then that's when we get defensive and, and so we yeah. have to learn to control our emotions and to understand that we have control over those feelings. Right. And we teach that in the academy. And you do. It's not just about parenting. It's about growth, self-growth and, yep. you know, learning 
I, I can't believe I've gone this many years of my life and I'm just trying figuring that out now that I have control. I used to always blame everyone else. Like, well, they made me mad. Yeah. They did this. And oh gosh, I was very shy growing up. And so when I got, became an adult and I got, you know, older, more mature, and I started to speak up for myself and I, I started telling people exactly what I thought. And I thought that was a strength. I was like you. I was like, <laughs> I thought everyone needed to hear what I said. And that was a good thing. Yep. And, oh, I've learned, nope, actually biting your tongue is probably better in most cases. And learning that not everything I have to say needs to be out there. Yes. Yes. I too, you know, I used to think that was a strength. And I was proud of that. Like I got bigger balls than the rest of y'all because <laughs> I'll tell you what I'm thinking or I'll tell you what's going on. And, but like you said, I've realized through this whole nacho process that, you know, not everybody cares what I think. And sometimes I don't need to say it. Mm-hmm. It is. And it, wow. That was one of the hardest things was to bite my tongue. Like when something like would happen in front of me with the stepkids and my husband, and I would just like want to jump in and say something about it. That's actually one of the most difficult things is to not say anything. But you can do it now. I am. I have been doing it. It's, it's. And it's amazing. Did did you amaze yourself when you did it the first time when you realized what you were doing? You were like, oh, I kept my mouth shut. Go Lori with your bad self. (laughs) Oh yeah. And I would always fall into the trap. I was always, so my husband would always trap me. He would be complaining about the stepkids. And for whatever reason, Nacho would, I'd forget about it. Like I'm thinking, oh, it's a free pass to start, you know, chiming in about the stepkid doing that. Or, oh, I agree with you. I can't believe they would do that. But here's the thing is, even though my husband was complaining about his kids, he still did not want to hear me complain about the kids. Right. Really, they just want to vent to you. They don't want you to agree with them. Yes. (laughs) Because then now suddenly the targets on you. And I would always fall into that trap. And so I had to learn when the first time when he was complaining about the stepkids and I was like, Oh yeah. Oh, that's tough. I was like, yes, I did it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I remember one time we were at the in-laws after I started nachoing and David's mom came up to me and she said, so how's, and she named one of the kids. She's like, we'll just say Ethan, how's Ethan doing? And I'm thinking, oh, no, lady, you ain't sucking me into this trap. (laughs) I said, I don't know. You'll have to ask his dad because you are not dragging me in that because I know what would have happened. No matter what I would have said, Mm -hmm. she would have heard something differently and it would have been turned around to me saying something negative about those kids. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And with my husband, especially when things were bad. I couldn't even say their names. Yeah. He was so defensive. Like even if it was something positive, he would automatically, you could even see the muscles like tense in his body. Like he was just always anticipating me saying something negative about them. And it was something, I think that is actually one of the key things in the relationship is it's not just that the kids were there before you, but the fact is they don't have that trust yet that you don't have that unconditional love like you have with your own kids that you're a stranger and you're saying something and you have good intentions. I'm not saying they're bad kids, but Oh, they didn't pick up after themselves, but to them, you're insulting their kids. You're saying they're a bad kid. You're saying that they're a bad parent. Yes. They're automatically going to get defensive and they don't have that. You don't have that trust built yet. Well, especially when you 
been in the trenches like we have. And that's the one thing that my husband and I are working on now is we're having to rebuild that trust that if I do say something about their his kids, it's in, coming from a place of love. Yes. And then it's my love for him that I'm trying to help them become the best people that they could be. Whereas when we're first starting to try to parent them or, you know, give them advice, they're just thinking that it's an attack. Yes. Criticism and judgment. Exactly. But then they realize that it's over time. Once you've stopped doing that, they realize that when you do say something, it's coming from a place of love and concern. And the stepkids will realize that too over time. True. Yeah. If you're not constantly complaining about them and then every once in a while there is one little issue and you bring it up, they're going to be more likely to listen and be accepting of your advice or input. Right. Exactly. And that's the thing with like you and David, you guys have been together for so many years now that he knows if he says something about his kids that he's trusting that it's not an attack on him or his parenting or his kids. Right. Yeah. And it takes time. It definitely takes time. And it also matters how I say it. I can't say your your kid's a piece of crap. <laughs> That's not going to go over well. I don't care how long we've been together. <laughs> yeah. Well, stepmom from California, thank you so much for being a guest. And we are going to have you back soon to talk about your blend as a stepchild. I can't wait. It's going to yeah. be fun. <laughs> All right. Talk to you then. Thank you, Lori. Bye. Bye. So, David, we often hear where exes live really close to each other, like the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I can see where that's beneficial for the kids. Yeah. And even for the exes and step-parents to a degree, because if something is left at one home, it's not a big inconvenience to get it back. Yeah. I guess the downside is, you know, kids can be running back and forth between houses and... Not sticking to a schedule. Yeah. Yeah. And buy a mom could drive by your house every day. <laughs> yep. Close line between that's where I live to I'm a stalker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be like, go over to your dad's house and see if you got any eggs. <laughs> <laughs> I know your stepmom got some eggs. I saw her carrying them in from the grocery store. Go get some. <laughs> Can you tell your mama? And tell your mama to send some eggs over here because child support broke me this month. (laughs) Yeah. But think about it. There's no issues with schools. No. There's no issues with distance as far as daycare, things like that. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, there are some pluses to it. Oh, yeah. But I would definitely have to be in an adjoining neighborhood versus the same neighborhood. Because on that July 4th, golf cart parade i don't want to see her (laughs) yeah could you imagine man my golf cart would be awesome because you know i'd be i wouldn't be competing with anybody else but bye mom yeah be like i would have uncle sam himself sitting on top of that golf cart yeah for those few step parents who who do have decent or you know co-parenting relationship that would work that would work well yeah or if you just parallel parented but if you've got a high conflict step parent or a high conflict by parent that's not gonna work yeah probably not probably not all right well we will wrap it up here folks thanks for listening and join us again next week and remember between now and then that life is good 
when you nacho. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.